capital of the world. Bring your lunch. It's the T.C. Martin Show. With the flex of the muscles. Diagnosis. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Prognosis. So he does a lot of things out on the floor, including dunk. Osmos. Wow, he could really bounce off the floor. It's the doctor. <laughs> And welcome back. Hour number two, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is the T.C. Martin Show. Brian Benowitz, our gracious host here at the Cosmopolitan, the VP of Casino Operations. VGK slash Ballpark Frank, my right-hand man here. Numchuck, making it all happen here. Uh, setting everything up, of course. Our engineer on site. And uh, Marky Mark, without the Funky Bunch, back in the studio as well, too. And uh, we are ready for hour number two, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the luxurious sports book. No better book in the land than the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It's comfortable. Come over here. Check out the show each and every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And, of course, we are on the air, as you know, every Monday through Friday in studio uh, on Monday through Thursday and then live at the Cosmopolitan on Fridays, 2 to 4 p.m. Come here to the Cosmopolitan, get a couch, get involved in the mobile app, the William Hill mobile app. Download it on your phone first, open a new account. Now is the best time to do it and get an additional free $50 in your account. That's right. Use the promo code TC50 when you deposit money into a new account. Come here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the uh, William Hill properties throughout town. Deposit 50, get an additional 50. Use that promo code of TC50. All right, it's a Friday. We're ready for some college basketball. We've got NBA All-Star Weekend, actually All-Star Day. Everything's really condensed to, uh, you know, on Saturday, so we'll, we'll get into that. And our very special guest in the house here who always makes the trek here the first week in March. And, of course, as you all know, he's a regular on the show every week, mostly by phone. But when he's in town, we got to get him here. He joined us in studio on Wednesday. And now the big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, is here with us at the Cosmopolitan. My partner, Big Bill Cartwright, the pride of Elk Grove, the pride of USF, the New York Knicks, the Chicago Bulls, the Seattle Supersonics. There's some old school re- resume right there. What's going on, buddy? Hey, it's always good to be here. Now, this was interesting. Now, you guys have a great staff there. You guys do a great job. You guys do this great teamwork. But I think you guys are out of uniform. <laughs> One of you has, one of you has got the right uniform for for the day. Oh, this is true. The the rest of you are properly. Do we do we need a video? We need a picture to see who's got the right uniform. Okay. Well, I did know VGK. They're playing tonight. All right. And I was going to go UCLA, but out of respect to to Bill, I said no. Okay. Okay. Good. Now, now Frank's wearing the Chicago Blackhawks today. And and, and Bill's got the Bulls Blackhawks tie-in. They all play in the same stadium and that sort of stuff. I don't have a Bulls one currently. (laughs) That's where you're going with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and I went. I went neutral. I went with the with the white because I I figure you guys you know you guys wore white last night. I got the Nike, which you guys are a Nike school, so I got the, the the black. Uh, you guys have worn black occasionally, so I got that. Of course, you are donning your USF green and gold, but what he's talking about is the nunchuck. The nunchuck not only donned some USF gear. I don't know what he did. If he went to War Memorial Gym in San Francisco up on the hill, he, he, he broke in the trophy case. I have no idea, but he's got an authentic USF Bill Cartwright jersey. Look at this. He's got the stitching. He's got everything. That's what you're talking about. Now, did you loan this to him? Have you seen this clown on campus? What happened? How did he get this? 
uh, you, you're going to have to chuck, ask the chuck about it. But look, it is, <laughs> it is available online. Now, now look, now at least you could have wore a little, stuff, little USF sticker. You could have thrown something green on. I'm just saying. Like I said, you, you make this trek here once a year. Come on, gotta Listen, step it up. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna do this for you. I have a USF shirt that he brought me a couple years ago, and I wore that in the show last year. But it was, I gotta say, man, it was the the, the cheapest, lowest grade. I I couldn't even wash my car with this thing; it fell apart. It's it's like a dress on me. And I told the guy to bring me an XL. What do you do? And I've asked you year after year, bring me some of the stuff that you got. You know I'm a Nike guy. Bring me the Nike USF stuff. You haven't brought me a USF thing to wear in years. So it's on you. You, you guys have got a budget. Now look, like I said, <laughs> somebody stepped up. That's all I know. Somebody came in here and said, you know what? This is a special day. Got a guy coming in here. Come on, step it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. By, by the way, you say it's a dress on you. Look at it on Numchuck. It's a dress on Numchuck. <laughs> what, what are you what talking what about? What is that? A, tri- a triple X? <laughs> I mean, and, my goodness, and, that thing's gigantic. By, by the way, did you notice that you had a play on words? I don't know if you were aware of it when you said that he was donning the jersey. Donning the jersey. There you go. <laughs> I knew you would pick that up. No doubt about that. All right, my friend. Next time you come, bring, bring, bring you, take care of your crew. We take care of you every week. We take care of when you get to town. Bring some love here. Let's go. Bring, bring, some, bring it. Well, I'm not asking for an authentic jersey. Just some USF gear. Bring us a sticker. Can you at least bring us a sticker? I mean, well, Double B gave me a UCLA shirt. Come on, man. Well, if you wear a UCLA shirt. That's your business. <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm saying that. It looks like somebody's gonna have to step it up. So yeah, we are gonna have to bring some gear in there. There you go. There to you get go. you guys right. Well, That's hey, all I'm saying. Hey, if, hey. if I had Numchuck's bankroll, I might have got a jersey too. TC, we've don- we've donned the green before. We have donned the green before. That's yes. right. Yes, for the for the Rough Riders. You want to tell them? Yeah. Yeah. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yes. We've got authentic Grey Cup jerseys, my friend. There you go. Of course, they were you know from our great fans in Canada. Who love right. listening to us? They they supply, we wear. That's how That's it right. works. Dark Don Narcisse jersey. That's right. That's right. There you go. Wow. <laughs> you guys will wear anything, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know you know the old adage: if you build it, they will come. With TC, it's if you buy it, he will wear it. Yeah. <laughs> or eat it. <laughs> yeah. As, as you all well know that. There you go. All right. So you guys got a victory last night through Orleans Arena. Very impressive. You got a 16-point win. Uh, g- give us the lowdown about last night's game. But more importantly, you, you were at the game, no fans. And so we come full circle here because a year ago, it was the last time that we saw live sports as the WCC tournament hosted fans, the Mountain West Conference hosted fans. It was the same weekend last year, and we had great crowds Gonzaga did their thing in the WCC. Utah State hit a buzzer beater to beat San Diego State. They thought they were going to the tournament with that. We had all of these teams in town. As you know, Brian, I mean, people were filling up the Cosmopolitan, fill up the hotels in town here, and then everything got shut down, and we haven't had crowds back at live sporting events until this past week with the Golden Knights, you know, of only uh, the 2,600 people allowed in T-Mobile Arena. But, Bill, I know you were there last night. It had to be somewhat surreal because... You could probably count how many people on on your two hands, how many were in the building last night. What was that like? 
Well, look, it's been that way all year. And I, I, I really commend the, the players. I commend the coaches, ADs for this year. Because, look, this year is a special year, special circumstance. And, and the teams who are responsible, the teams that have done the right things, the teams that have been able to stay safe and, and, and practice, have these endless practice sessions to get ready and then play in a different situation, it's really hard. So this, this um, tournament is just more of the same. There, for most of the guys, there hasn't been any fans in the stands all year. It's been the same situation. Uh, for the most part, everybody's been healthy. So uh, it's just really more of the same. But I just really commend those guys for making that year commitment to just being safe. So imagine us. You're staying away from all of your friends. You could be staying away from your families. You're limiting yourself to really your teammates and maybe just a, a, maybe a few close friends. It's just a really hard situation. So um, just kudos to those guys. And, you know, the Don's got a great win last night. Uh, um, you know, we have not played very well. Um, and, you know, and you could say a lot of teams haven't played this well. Uh, how can Duke be 500? Uh, how can Carolina not win the conference? I mean, it's just a funky year. So um, we're going to take it from here. Uh, hopefully we'll play great tonight. LMU, uh, they're big. They're, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty formidable. So if we can speed up the game, spread those guys out, uh, we're going to stand a really good chance. And, of course, uh, you know, we're one of the league leaders, uh, not league leaders, um, leaders of the country at three points attempted. So if we can make some shots, as you know, uh, we're really, really dangerous. So it's going to be a great game. It's going to be fun. Uh, we know at least one uh, one of your teammates in here are pulling for the Don. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just going to be a great game. You know, this is the USF team, remember, that beat Virginia when Virginia was ranked number two in the country earlier this year. And there was a lot of buzz about this team. And then, again, you guys got hit a little bit by the pandemic and went a little bit of a losing streak. And like you said, it's just been a real funky season with, with all that. Um, and, of course, you guys are in a conference with the number one team in the country in Gonzaga. Let, let's talk about them a little bit. You know, they're seeking to be the first team to go undefeated since that 1975-76 Indiana team. And we've seen other teams be undefeated going into the NCAA tournament, but no one has been able to pull this thing off. Is it surprise you a little bit that we've had we've had teams? I mean, we've had teams. I'll go back to the UNLV team, and of course, people remember that they were 34-0 in that 1990-91 season that was coming off of the the championship against Duke, and then Duke came back and beat them uh, to snap their streak. Wichita State. I don't know if a lot of people remember that. In 2014, they were 35-0, and they were the number one seed. They really didn't get much respect when it came to Selection Sunday because their second-round game, they played Kentucky, and then Kentucky beat them. And then the following year, in 2015, Kentucky was 38-0, and they got beat by Wisconsin in, in the Final Four. Nobody has run the gamut that Gonzaga is trying to do this year 
since that 75-76 team. And I know you remember that team because you, you were playing at, at, at that point in time. Are you surprised that no one has gone purely undefeated in 46 years? No, because it, it's, it's really hard to do. Um, and look, it's like anything else where there's so many different factors in the game, whether it's foul trouble, whether it's a six or seven man on the opposing team uh, having the game of their life. Uh, it could be matchups. Uh, there's just so many different things that could happen during the course of the game to start that season off or to start the game off uh, badly and build a momentum. Uh, it's just really difficult. You know, the interesting thing about Gonzaga is that when you look at those guys, they're good inside. They're good mid-range. They're good three-point shooters. They've got great ball handling guards. And they guard you. Uh, Which is a rarity are, nowadays. <laughs> these, these guys are a real problem because um, they can go big, they can go small. Uh, you know, when I saw this that team this year for the first time, I was like, holy smokes. I, I never thought they were ever going to be as good as they are, but, but they are legit, legitimately good, and they guys got off the bench who are good as well. So um, they're very they're a very formidable matchup um, right now. So um, I, I think this is their year, their NCAA tournament to lose. And isn't this weird, you say, that there's one team right now. Uh, when has that ever been? There's one team in college basketball that is the most dominant team in college basketball. Maybe since UCLA. Mm -hmm. or, or, maybe. Or UNLV, the year that they ended up losing in the, in the semis. Like I said, the 34-0 team, yeah. Right, I mean, maybe. But this, this Gonzaga team is, is clearly the team to beat in this tournament. Yeah, these guys are like... Um, but they they're like seven eight guys deep that that are really good yeah so it's like their eighth man could start a lot of teams how many so, of those guys do you think are nba players i don't like to measure the nba mm -hmm. players because those that's another level mm -hmm. and it's like you could be a formidable college player with one skill uh, and have size or have speed. The problem with the NBA players, they have size, speed, and they're really long, mm -hmm. and they're really fast. So you see those guys in college, and it's like, oh, my God, it's like the same guy on steroids. Right. So it's just another level up. So you can't – it's a really hard thing to measure. Big Bill Cartwright joins us, the five-time NBA champ, of course, uh, with the Bulls drafted by the Knicks, and, of course, the USF Don legend. Bill, when it comes to Gonzaga, is, what do you think the biggest hurdle is going to be to them finishing the season and winning March Madness and having that undefeated season? Because I'm still interested to see what they're going to be like if they get a real close game. Because most of their games are double-digit blowouts. I, I don't know that they've had enough close games that we know exactly how they're going to be if, if they have a two-point game coming down to the end or something like that. Could that be something that comes back to uh, be a problem for them just because they haven't faced that very much this season, if at all? I think that is a problem, is that nobody's been able to give them a close game. And that should be alarming just in itself. You would think that 
somebody been, has been able to be able to hold them, hold them, hold them until the five-minute mark, but it just hasn't happened. There's been, they've had some games where the game has, has been hard, it's been hard, and somehow in the course of that game, they break away in five minutes. Yeah, they make that run. run. They make a run. So, um, yeah, I mean, we would all like to see it. Uh, they've, they've played some really good teams, but they've always had that break, always that run, uh, which I think is pretty scary. Mar- average margin of victory for Gonzaga this year is 24 points. But they have been down double digits in a couple of occasions. I think it was Pepperdine, LMU, we've seen it. And then all of a sudden, boom, they turn on the switch, and, and, and there they go. And I know that everyone wanted to see the Baylor-Gonzaga game. Of course, that got postponed to, to COVID in that point in time, the one and two teams. And I think a lot of people are thinking, hey, hopefully we get a chance to, to see that. But it, it's interesting. When you look at Gonzaga and you look at some of these other teams, Michigan has put on quite a run right now. We mentioned Baylor. Uh, a lot of people, just because of Gonzaga's record and their huge you know, uh, margin of victory, people are thinking it's Gonzaga and everybody else. I'm not personally feeling that way. I think that there are a lot of teams that could, could make a run at this. Do you see it as the same way? Yeah, it's one game. Right. It's one game, anything possible. And we have another team in our conference that has really stepped up and played great, and that's BYU. BYU is dangerous. Yeah. So if they get to the tournament, I mean, look out for those guys and look out for the conference tournament too. Because uh, they're good. They're good. They're big. They're fast. They got good guards. They can shoot. Uh, that's going to be a nice matchup. So, and always we have uh, uh, your boys, St. Mary's. So we really have legitimately three NCAA teams could possibly be, be in the tournament. It's not going to happen. Right. But uh, but there's three teams that are that are that are really good um that could do a lot of damage so um it's 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 a real tough conference and then you have funky teams like pepperdine they can kill you one night um lsu they can kill you um david stoudemire is doing a great job if he can keep these guys healthy he had to He's the Pacific so, now, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. somehow one of his players, they just decided not to play him, which I thought was interesting, but we don't really know why. But uh, he's doing a great job over there. So uh, just a very dangerous con- conference to play in now because uh, they, we do have some talent. we got great coaches. Um, anything can happen. You got it. Big Bill Cartwright joins us. Okay, so a little trivia here for you. Okay, we'll throw this out to, the, to, to our group here and anyone else out here. So we've been talking about undefeated teams, and uh, the last team to go undefeated was Indiana in 75-76. little trivia, guys. Who was the first team in college basketball history to run the gamut, win the title, and go undefeated? Guess? USF. <laughs> uh, not sure. Why do you say USF? Because we got the captain here. <laughs> Bill, you know the answer to that question? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. 1955, give it up for double B. I'm 2-0 today. That's there it. You go. Bill Russell, 29-0. The USF Dons, the first team to ever go undefeated. That's right. Bill Russell could play. There it is. <laughs> How much of that, Bill Russell and the history that USF had back in the day, because obviously you were, you know, 20 years later, 
how much of the effect did that have on you of choosing USF to go to school? I should say a lot uh, because I did get an opportunity in high school to meet Bill Russell. He actually interviewed me one time uh, and came to Little Elk Grove, California and asked me when I was going to be on TV. Were you, first were, were you outside in the fields that day, farming that day? Not that day. Okay. <laughs> but, but can you imagine? So I got Bill Russell. He's at Elk Grove High School. His first question is, when are you going to be on TV? <laughs> and by coincidence, I had been interviewed that prior day, and I told him, next week. <laughs> but... Uh, what were you, know, you, were, you, you, know, guess, I, were you guest starring on Green Acres or something, or the Munsters? What was the deal with that? Brady Bunch? Well, you know, we... Why were you pretty, on TV in Elk Grove? Well, we had a pretty formidable, <laughs> my last two years in, in high school, if anybody cares. You know, we were undefeated then, and um, we ended up winning Northern California yeah, right. Championship my senior year, so... Uh, people really liked us at that one point in time. And they see why he got in the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame now. So. There you go. There you go. Bill, Bill, let me ask you something. With the changes to, uh, you mentioned that there's probably going to be two teams, not three teams. But this year there's a major change to the NIT tournament where there's a far reduction of teams. 32 to 16. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and it's moving to Texas. Is yeah. that right? Denton, so, Texas, of all places. So <laughs> is, that, is that, I was surprised it was even going to exist, but is that going to be a, a better tournament this year because of the, the, the quality, the lower pool of teams that, that, are, that are there? I don't know if it's going to be a better quality, uh, the NIT. I mean, you're, you're going from 32 to 16. You're not having it in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But you can have the Big East tournament. In Madison Square Garden. So tell me why, why I, this. I found it very awkward. How does this make even sense? I didn't even think it would exist, but now that it's there, I would think that you know, with this strange year, the NIT might mean a little more. But but here, here's this, and Frank and I were talking about this this week. The NCAA is now having these alternate teams to go to Indianapolis and be on standby if anybody tests positive for COVID. So I don't know how the NIT is going to select their group because normally they select it after on Selection Sunday after the NCAA does their job, and they come back and, okay, we're, we'll take the next, you know, best 32 teams. So now you've got these alternate teams, and so and the NIT has decided, okay, we're not going to go 32. We're going to go 16. Oh, and by the way, we're going to play in Denton, Texas. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if you have an answer to that, but, I mean, you know, with only 16 teams, I mean, you could only get uh, – you're not going to have multiple teams from, conference, from multiple conferences going to the NIT. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. You know, when I was at USF, we did not win the conference our first year. We went to the NIT. We played at Madison Square Garden, uh, and it was a great experience. I don't believe we would have that same uh, excitement to go to Texas. Right. So it's just an interesting uh, thing that's happened. Uh, I'll leave that up to you to get the explanation. Uh, but the trip that we had there was really memorable. Now, we didn't win. We lost to Central Maxwell's team. Um, cornbread, huh? Cornbread. Yeah, UNC yeah. Charlotte. I love yeah, me some cornbread. He was, yeah. he was good, man. <laughs> who does He was a good player. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was a time where you had the guys who were phenomenal. Like, in our conference, we, had, uh, we, we didn't win, so we lost to Marcos Leite. He was a great Brazilian player. And... Um, uh, Dennis Johnson. Dennis Johnson was the uh, their starting point forward. 
at half the time center of that team. <laughs> he was so dominant in college, but uh, we couldn't beat them that year. So, uh, but but the NIT was great. It was it was it was a great time. And like I said, you know, the difference between going in, to New York and, and going to Denton, Texas, I don't know. That's uh, that's that's definitely not my call. You haven't spent much time in Denton, Texas. Um, I don't know. Maybe they have a racquetball court down <laughs> yeah. there. Or, uh, pickleball. There it is. That's pickleball. Right. See? That's He's right. down for pickleball. He's good. We got it here at the Cosmopolitan just for him. <laughs> got the lines on the tennis courts up there. Look at that. All right. Yeah. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright joins us. All right. When we I, would think, I would think Bill would be very intimidating at the net of pickleball. Oh, yeah. Good luck on the lob. <laughs> good luck on that lob there. There you go. I want to see Frank uh, try, to, try to put one by him on the baseline there. Well, pickleball is a little bit different. I haven't actually played it, but I know there's that buffer zone where you can't really get right up on the net and that kind of stuff either. So I, I've seen it a little bit on TV and that. I don't know the rules, but, um, I, I mean, I have a feeling they wouldn't be that difficult to pick up and that. It's just, we need just some something schooling. that I haven't done before. We need some so. schooling on pickleball. That's right. There you go. Yeah. All right, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, joins us. When we come back, uh, we'll talk some NBA news and we'll talk some uh, – Inside with a seven-footer. We're going to get some uh, some takes from him in his NBA days as well, too. I know people like hearing about that, so we'll do that. Uh, we're live from the Cosmopolitan. It is the T.C. Martin Show. Fabulous Friday here inside the luxurious sportsbook powered by William Hill. This is five-time NBA champion Bill Cartwright. When I'm in town, I always listen to T.C. Martin. You should, too. All right, happy Friday to you. Get ready for the weekend. T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Ballpark Frank with me here. Brian Benowitz and the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. As we get ready for the WCC Tournament, USF back in action tonight. I believe, what, uh, second round action. They will be taking on Loyola Marymount tonight. And uh, then again, Gonzaga got a double bye along with BYU. They're in action on Monday. And then the winner tonight, you mentioned St. Mary's earlier, Bill. The Dons, you guys win tonight. You get Randy Bennett in St. Mary's uh, tomorrow night. There you go, the number four seed. We don't care. I know. Bring it on. <laughs> we, just, we just want to be playing. Yeah, there you go. So we don't care who we play. And, and don't forget, for entertainment purposes only, because he doesn't like it when I talk about the betting line, no. USF. Do you want to take a guess what the, uh, the line is tonight, USF and Marymount? No. You've been pretty good about predicting the lines. No. You, no line. No <laughs> line for Mary. No. Zero. It's no, pretty, I don't want to know. No. <laughs> Our listeners want to know, though. The answer is no, TC. Yeah. Yes. What is the line? USF's favored by one. Ooh. And Marymount's beat them twice this year. How hard is it, Bill, to beat a team three times uh, in one season? We always hear that adage. It's hard. It's yeah. real hard. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> yeah. it's going to be really, really, really hard. Exactly. All right. Let's... Uh, Let's talk a little inside with the seven-footer here, all right? So let's go back to your – We can go. let's go NBA days. If you want to go college as well, too. And I know you get a lot of these type of questions, but I know our audience would love to hear some of your answers here. Uh, toughest guy for you that, uh, to guard in the low post back in your day? Well, fortunately and unfortunately, there was a lot of guys who were really good we, you know, we ran. You go to Washington. You're running to guys like Wes Hutzel, Elvin Hayes. You go to Boston. And then, uh, then there's Dave Cowens. The, uh, you go to. I think at that time it was in Milwaukee. Here's Bob Lanier. Uh, then you get uh, uh, Clifford Ray of Golden State. 
and then you go to Chicago, and then, oh, there's Artis Gilmore. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden, there's Kareem. Uh, there was somebody big, huge. And, and the problem is, is that back then, um, you could run into them, but they could hit you pretty hard. So um, there was there was some guys you avoided, um, like uh, like Moses artist, Malone, artist, like Artist Gilmore. <laughs> Moses Malone was fine because he was finesse. Uh, you could score on him, but. Uh, you know, you had to guard his ass because that could be a 35-point night. <laughs> uh, but the hardest guy uh, who was like a tree was Wes Hansel. There you go. Um, I can still remember when the shot went up, I hit him hard. Now, I was 22 years old. Hard. And I can promise you he didn't move an inch. And I was like, wow, this dude... This dude's a stud, man. That was really impressive. You, know, you mentioned Dave Callens uh, back in Boston. What about a guy like Robert Parrish? Robert was at Golden State, and he was and then, uh, backing up Clifford Ray. He right, was, but then he came to Boston later. Came and, to Boston, yeah. but at that point, uh, he was very, very angry. So, as a matter of fact, I told him that, you know, Robert, you're the, you're the first guy that ever took a swung at me. And... Uh, uh, I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> what did you, you do to piss him off? No, he started it. Okay, so, let's hear it. Say the story. So, rebound went up. Uh, I tried to get it, and he hit me with the elbow in my chest really hard. And like a normal person, I said, what the fuck? <laughs> so, the, next, the shot went up on the other end. I gave it back to him. <laughs> Bam! And uh, we squared off. He took a he took a roundhouse swing at me that could have, you know, never hit me. So I was kind of chuckling, like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> but uh, that was it. Uh, but 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 I know Robert. Robert, he's a he's a wonderful guy, great guy. But when he was at Gold State, he was very very angry. <laughs> So he had to take a swing at somebody. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, he, no, he was he was great. But then we had old guys like Dan Issel, Alvin Adams, uh, guys that could trick you pretty good. So it was everybody. Every team had somebody. How hard was it to play against a guy like Elijah Wan? Elijah Wan came a little bit later, so he was very tricky. Uh, I played the same game, so it doesn't matter. Um, you know, unfortunately for him, I did injure him. If you remember, I fractured his eye socket, so he missed like about two or three months. So that was a pretty big deal back yeah. in the uh, 80s, but eh, it happens. <laughs> it happens, that's right. You like the, like the NBA fraternity. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy, Robert Parrish. He takes a big swing in. Oh, but he's a great guy, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, oh, Akeem, you know, I fractured his eye socket, you know. Oh, good. So what? Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, it happens because my first game against Bob Manier, I broke his nose. So the next time I got a chance to play against him, I was really scared. I'm like, holy smokes. <laughs> so all I need is this guy coming after me. But, but Bob was fine. He was cool. He was like, yeah, don't worry about it. 
but we had uh, guys who you think are the problem. Like my first game in the league was against Daryl Dawkins. And you play against Daryl, it's like, holy smoke, you look at him. His legs are monstrous. I'm like, how in the world am I going to play against this guy? Um, but it's, 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 it's just really amazing once you see the guys and see them up close. It's pretty intimidating. My first uh, time I played in that same game, Dr. J was in that game, and I blocked his shot. And I was like shocked. I'm like, wow, that just happened. I blocked a shot. So, so you, you're, you know, you're you're really happy to be out there. You know, you're hoping you're going to do well. But it's like, you're just looking at guys, just looking at them. It's it's really cool. You go through that laundry list of guys, and we've talked about this topic before. About the big man is really just not around anymore. I mean, those type of guys that you talk about, you just rattled off Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer, all guys that were just fantastic low post players. You can't name, you know, a great center or a great low post player on one hand right now. I mean, it just talks about how the game is, is so much different. And I think that a lot of people, you know, especially older people, they miss that old NBA. They miss those, those games and, 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 uh, and, and that type of basketball. Well, it's different basketball now, but the possible MVP of the league, Embiid, right? He's just a, a new Jack Center. So, uh, I mean, he's got a chance to be the MVP of the league. Gobert's got a chance to be again defensive player of the league. The guy's really, really long, really good. It's just a new type of center, and that's what the NBA is all about. It's about change. Um, they're going to evolve into whatever they're going to evolve in. Um, I always chuckle when I look at old interviews from the 60s and 70s, everybody talking about what it used to be in the old days. <laughs> because basketball, just it just keeps changing. It just keeps, just keeps evolving. And, and it's not going to be what it used to be uh, 15 years ago. So you just try to watch it. You try to enjoy it. I know that we're going to hate all those three-point shots and that uh, uh, what we think is terrible defense is it? Yeah, but it is what it is. We can't do anything about it. We just have to enjoy it, value those guys. Uh, those guys are really, really great players, you know, before they're, they're out of here. You know, uh, Charles Barkley has used this uh, comment uh, a lot, and I think we saw it in, on his interview the, the other night. Uh, I know, Frank, you were watching this, and a lot of people have said the same thing, that they say that when Larry Bird came into the league with Magic Johnson, it really changed the face of the NBA, of course, because they faced off in the championship game in, in college, and then what Bird brought and what Magic brought, and then, you know, there was bigger TV deals and marketing and all that sort of thing. But just from the style of play, do you agree with that statement that those guys really changed the league and the style and everything when they came in? Yeah, because I think basketball became more attractive. It became more attractive because those guys are, are marquee guys. They were uh, polar opposites. Um, you know, Larry was the just average-looking guy. I mean, even though he's 6'9", he was just looked like a guy who was just wasn't greatly athletic, but just gifted scorer and gifted basketball player. Where, and Magic was Showtime. So uh, you knew there was something 
different going on in basketball. And to be able to promote that uh, to where people liked it, uh, really the last part of that equation was when we won our first championship because now nobody wanted, the NBA especially, didn't want any more smash mouth type of basketball. So then, boom, all of a sudden, what do you get? You get Chicago Bulls. And they have marquee guys. They don't play that style of basketball. That's not appealing to the masses. Um, I mean, Detroit basketball was appealing in Detroit because it definitely reflected them, but it didn't reflect what everybody wanted to see. So that was another level where it took it. And we talked about the fact that um, the leader of Mr. Promotion was Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson. So it's that era. It started with Bird and Magic, but it really took off with, uh, uh, with, with Bo and, and, and Michael. The fact that when Magic and, and Bird came into the league, how much beneficial was it to the NBA that the rivalry really started in college because they played each other, Indiana State and Michigan State, of course, in the NCAA. Then they go to iconic franchises on both coasts there with great centers like Parrish and like Kareem out there and, you know, other players, Mikhail with Bird, and, of course, you had Worthy and those guys with L.A. and that. But how much did it help, too, that they, they, were, they had the bi-coastal thing going on and the rivalry really did start in college before they even went to the NBA and then they were the first two picks in the league? Well, ultimately, it ended up the rivalry. But just to have those guys in the league, it just changed that style of basketball. And look, and look at what Boston did. Birdman, he and I came to same year Magic. Same year. Let's mention that. Come on. That's right. So uh, we come out. 79. And But Birdman was drafted. Think about this. A year ahead. Anybody could have drafted him. How, how, what kind of vision is that? of the Celtics to take this guy a year ahead to know that he was going to be, be that good. It's incredible. And then the Lakers, the same thing. Lakers made a commitment to this young guy, Magic's younger than us, to take him. And in that first year, he becomes a franchise player. It's his really incredible vision uh, to get those guys to the right Organization. I, I don't think that's going to happen if either one of them go to Cleveland, either one of them go to Detroit. Uh, they just really, just great vision, luck. They went to the right city, right place, right time. Um, great story. Best shooter as a teammate for you that you ever played with, and then I'm going to take it, best shooter that maybe you faced uh, during your time in the NBA. Best shooter, um, two of them. Okay. Trent Tucker. Thus, we have the Trent Tucker role in basketball because uh, he was a legitimate 30-foot shooter and the best shooter on the planet, Greg Hodges. There we go. Who was just on the show last week. The Sheik. The Sheik. <laughs> yeah. Both great guys. Both uh, uh, incredible shooters. Both would be making a fortune right now they, they got to be dying because uh that was their game back then and it was just taken for granted don't leave them because if you did the crowd would ooh, because they, they knew it was it was good so um 
compare compare Craig Hodges and Trent Tucker to Steph Curry. As far as shooting. Shooting? Somewhere. Yeah. Very, very, very similar. similar. Yeah. Trent, uh, I would say he had heavy, strong hands. So he could catch it on the floor and just shoot it, flick it with his wrist, just flick it. And he, uh, he was just incredible because his range was so good uh, that he could get it off. Now, Craig, Craig could get it off too, but he's more legs. He could hop. Boom, hop, boom, up. When he's up, it's good. So, uh, who knows? Who knows now? I mean, he, they, both those guys would get a lot more opportunities now to, to score. Um, they would fit right in perfectly. So, uh, it's just too bad that it didn't get measured. But, you know, Craig's won a couple three-point contests, you know, so everybody knows. All right, you probably have more than one guy here, but best teammate that you had? I've had a ton of them. I know. But you know, one of your one, favorites? Well, one of my favorites, I just talked to the other day, my, my guy from, uh, from Cincinnati, Louis Orr, who went to Syracuse. Uh, I played with him as a neck. Actually, he played in Indiana first. Uh, great guy, great teammate, great person. Uh, one of the better people on the planet. Right now he's coaching. He's been coaching probably 20 years in college. Right now he's in Patrick at George, with Georgetown. And you know, and I put Patrick in that category. Phenomenal person. Trent Tucker's in that category. Phenomenal person. Guys like Kenny Walker. But even, you know, still, like I stay in touch with, uh, uh, talk to Horace Grant, talk to B.J. Armstrong, talk to Walt Purdue. Talk to Stacey King now. Stacey King would be great for your show because all you need to get him on here, ask him one question, you're done. <laughs> In two hours, you're done. I promise. <laughs> Just great, great guys, all those guys. Um, a special guy that I hung around with one year was Bobby Hansen, uh, University of Iowa. Okay. He does their play-by-play uh, -play -play right now. And it's interesting that he was such a big factor. Bobby Hansen, when we played the Portland Trailblazers, comes off the bench. Hadn't played all year. Two threes in the, the championship final game. Two right. threes when we were down by 18 points. Right. Boom, boom. Brings our team back, and we ended up winning that championship at home. That is a story there, pal. Yeah. Bobby Hanson, Bulls, Utah Jazz. Who would know? Yeah. Who would know? Who would remember besides Bang? Yeah. <laughs> Great trivia question right there. There it is. Big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright in the house here. Reliving the, some, some great times and some uh, great moments. All right. You know, the, the rivalries back in those days, too. Obviously, you guys had it with the Bulls and the Pistons, and we've talked uh, Lakers, Celtics, and, and that. Uh, who was your biggest rival, your time with the Bulls? What, what, was it the Pistons? Somebody else? It really changed, you know, depending on how good we became. Mm -hmm. But we talked about this, is that as we got better, especially as we won our first championship, every road game was somebody's game of the week. It was somebody's game of the month. 
And if we played West, which we won once, so if we're playing the Lakers and whoever we play West, it was the game of the year. So those guys, their effort level was quadrupled. It was crazy the effort that came out, along with fans, along with uh, uh, you know people watching you. So uh, it was just so amplified. So we we had natural rivals. Like first was the Knicks. Of course, I didn't like because I got traded to. That was very controversial. <laughs> so then when we whipped them, and then it became Cleveland. Because those guys are really good. We had a great series with them. Um, and then really, lastly, our toughest rivalry was, was the Pistons. Teams like the Celtics were, were older. And, you know, Birdman wasn't moving that well. They were older, so... They would basically hunt him down during the game and wanted a piece of him because he couldn't move. Right. But uh, but the Pistons whipped us up for two straight years and um, basically for most of our guys just beat us up. So that really became a real rivalry over there. So, uh, you know, I haven't been thrown out of a lot of games, but I, I got thrown out of one game at home. Um, because, uh, you know, for some reason, Isaiah liked to drive to the basket. <laughs> and in those days, you could kind of greet them. So he didn't take too kindly with us. So what, at one time, he punched me in the back. <laughs> so I'm looking at him like, what the hell just happened? So I turned around and basically just chased him and, and got tackled. And then uh, we both get thrown out of the game. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> this guy chases me. I get tackled down. Uh, and I get thrown out of the game? Really? It's all right. I'm going to go have a beer. <laughs> Must have been Dick Bavetta or somebody. Who knows? <laughs> no, it, it, was, it, was, it was actually fine because <laughs> at that point in time, because they were such a physical team. And those guys were good, man. I mean, it wasn't the fact they beat us up. They were just good. So we should credit them for that style of play because that style of play really made us champions. Because after we beat their ass and swept them in Detroit, won three straight championships. So uh, we wouldn't have won those championships if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for those games with them so it was uh, so we should credit them instead of bashing them right because after we beat them they i don't, I don't think ever, they've ever won again have they no. <laughs> never been back <laughs> there it is the five-time nba champ reliving uh, plenty of memories uh five rings three as a player two as a coach uh, along with phil jackson there in chicago afterwards uh, Big Bill Curry, always uh, appreciate you, man, just on the show. But uh, when we get you here in person, too, it's all, always fun. And uh, we'll continue uh, the food tour while you're in town here. And uh, there you go. Somebody promised me some chicken, some fried chicken. It's, Somebody promised me it, that. It, it, it's coming. There's no doubt about it's it. It's coming. Best fried chicken that uh, you're ever going to have. It's coming. Can I get a witness here, guys? Or yeah, what? It's, it's pretty darn good. Blue ribbon tonight. You guys are all set. Yeah, so There you go. Should be good. Should you, be fun. You heard that. All right, so pace yourself. Don't eat between now and until after the game. Yeah? Yeah. Check it. Check it looking. Yeah. <laughs>
And, uh, don't worry, we can order more buckets for you. you know? More buckets. Yeah. There we go. Non-stop. <laughs> I don't want a bucket of chicken. I want some chicken chicken. Yeah. <laughs> You throw me a bucket. No, it'll be good. Yeah, we you'll gotta eat, eat it down the alley or something. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'll be very comfortable tonight, no problem. All right, good luck with the Dons tonight. Uh, and also, uh, hopefully, you guys put a little run together uh, for the tournament. Great stuff. And of course, uh, the seven footer will be joining us like he does each and every week uh, via the phone. But uh, glad to have you in person, brother, as always. All right, I love it. Go Dons. And there it is. All right. All right, appreciate everyone for joining us. Steve Berline via the phone today talking a little NFL, of course. Uh, Ballpark Frank, uh, Brian Benowitz, uh, Marky Mark back at the studio, Numchuck here as well too. Guys, have yourself a great weekend. I can hardly wait. We've got plenty of hoop to look forward to. Wow, UFC uh, tomorrow night as well too. Real quick, uh, winner UFC card, Frank? Well, I mean, you can't ever go against the Lioness. She's going to win. She's the greatest of all time. I think Adesanya wins, but this could be a tough fight for him. Okay, good deal. All right. We appreciate everyone joining us here at Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We're here each and every Friday, as you know. Listen to the show Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. live, or go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Uh, our past interviews are up there. This interview with Big Bill will be on the website a little bit later on. We've got a lot of great stuff up there. Go to the classic interview page. We've got some classic interviews up. We've got the recent interviews up there. Uh, everything is up there as well, too. Uh, see the whole crew as well, too. The nunchuck wearing the Cartwright jersey. You got to love that. Outstanding stuff. Got to get a picture there. Look at that. All right. I want to thank Big Bill for joining us and everyone here at the Cosmopolitan. Have yourself a great time. And uh, we will reconvene Monday at 2 o'clock right here. T.C. Martin Show. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. <laughs>